Well, this, we've been doing a series called You Ask For It. And You Ask For It is all about what's the one thing you always wanted to hear about in church. And in December, you had an opportunity to put some of these questions through. So what we've decided to do is respond to every question. We like to say respond, not to answer. Because to answer, it's kind of presumes we know everything, but we don't. But we can faithfully respond as, as we faithfully read Scripture. So I'm going to ask our team of panel. So slightly different, these questions can be answered by an expert panel. So I'm going to ask uh, Pastor PJ to come on up. Pastor PJ, um, she's been an ordained pastor, what, since the 90s? Since the 90s, ordained pastor, uh, senior pastor of Tauru Elam for many, many years, um, as well as a professional counselor. She does it all. It's amazing. And I'd like to ask also Mike Cook. Mike Cook is uh, part of the CMI um, Teen Creation Ministry team, and they go around speaking about, uh, in fact, part of the CMI team, there's more PhDs part of CMI than any other ministries out there, you know, scientists, all sorts of things, and he's part of that group. He's also a, uh, you ran your own company, IT company, and things like that. Next person I'd like to ask, invite is Elliot. Elliot. Elliot, yeah, Elliot is a good surfer and a good snowboarder. Okay, that's why we invited him on and has a bit of banter. No, he's, uh, he's been a Bible college, he's an evangelist at heart, um, and uh, we'd love to hear uh, what insights that Elliot will bring to our question. So let's get straight into it. So we're going to get to our first question. Question that was asked, asked by you. Oh, actually, let's test our mic, shall we? Should we test our mic just to make sure it works? Hello. Kia ora. Oh, well, amen and amen, it works. Okay, here we go. First question is this. Is it possible that God created the world through evolution? In fact, the first three questions, we're going to Put them up together. Oh, is it possible? We kind of broke it up. That's good. Uh, is it possible that God created the world through evolution? Now, is it possible? Well, God can do anything. Of course it's possible, but do we believe that he used evolution? No, we don't. And because of what we read in Scripture. So I'm going to hand it over to, to Mike to, to lead off for us. So the question we have, which is a good question, is it possible that God created the world through evolution? So first of all, it's really important to understand what evolution is. Are we talking about just change? You know, animals change, yes they do, or we're talking about the big picture from you know, pond scum to people over billions of years, you know, you know, the huge general theory of evolution. So God is uh, amazing, he could do anything, he could have created using evolution, but th what does the Bible say he actually did, okay? So saying God could he have, well he could have, but what did he actually say he did do? But it's a really big deal, especially for our young people, we know many of us who've got young people or working with young people or related to young people, uh, nieces, nephews, children, grandchildren, they're under so much attack, aren't they, for their whole worldview? And there's been some interesting and uh, challenging surveys done in the Western world, especially in the US, but also in New Zealand and Australia. And George Barner asked a question of young people, why do you either um, not interested in Christianity or why if you went to church when you were at home, now you've left and gone to uni or gone out to the world, why have you walked away from your Christian faith? And there's a whole range of answers given to those that question, but the number one answer given in the Western world, including New Zealand, our people, up to 66% say, well, uh, I've left church because of evolution and science has proven the Bible wrong. I can't be a thinking uh, person if I believe a book of myths. So it's a big deal, isn't it, for young people? And we know that Christianity is a spiritual connection with God. We have to have our eyes open, but there's a rational connection we need as well, and young people really struggle with this. So having framed that, it's a big deal about what we believe about the Bible. So the big question about where did we actually come from, it's an important question. The answer we actually believe to this will affect how we live our lives. So if we open the Bible at Genesis chapter 1, we read right through chapter 1, it talks about six days of creation, real days of creation, God creating on each day. And there's the order of creation with each day. Uh, 
in a sense, has pointed out the whole thing about design. God's a designer. He's a creator. He it progresses through creation, becoming more and more uh, the way God intended and designed it to be. Yeah, that's right. Let me just point that out. I love pointing this out. So, it's, so we read Scripture. There's so much design patterns in Scripture. So you can see there's two lots of threes, and they're designed like that on purpose, the way Scripture is designed. So the first day one, You've got the, uh, the, the light, being the light and darkness being separated. You've got the sky and the ocean separated. And you've got the dry land coming up out of the waters. Okay, so you've got God creating environments. And then the next three are matching that. So, so day one and day four match each other because now God fills that space with the sun and moon. And then day five matches with day two. Then God fills that space with the birds and the sea and sea creatures. And then day three God and day Six are a match together and God fills the land. So God creates the environment, then he fills it. And so it's a design pattern and you see these design patterns right through scripture. Anyway, this, I just want to add that little point. Yeah, that's just, by the way, we are getting a new screen. That's a high priority. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is a camping screen. Yeah. Okay, it's not our real screen going forward. It's a camping screen. Thank you, Matt Foster, for allowing us to use your camping screen. So hopefully you can see it all right anyway. Yeah, so the key thing is though, this in the big picture of who we are, is on day six God created all the land animals and he created our original ancestors. You know, real people, Adam and Eve, original tupuna, if you're of Maori heritage, you know, through our whakapapa back to Adam and Eve, our original ancestors. Created in God's image and he created the male and female to live in relationship with him and to love each other and to fill the earth and to steward it wisely. That's the design, what we call the creation mandate. And so God created us special. We're not animals. We are different. Humans are not animals. You see, so we have intrinsic value and identity. We don't have to try to make up an identity for us. We, but also have boundaries in our lives, don't we? God gives us boundaries that if we follow those, we'll have a better outcome in life. So this is, if God's the designer and the creator, then he gives us identity, value, and purpose, and boundaries. But of course, the next idea is that we're taught you know, from the cradle in the Western world, turning on the TV, seeing a documentary from Sir David Attenborough or National Geographic, we see a very different account of how we came to be. You know, supposedly 13.7 billion years ago, you have a singularity explode, hydrogen gas forms, uh, stars and galaxies and over billions of years, supernovas happen, we get elements forming around a disk, we get a hot molten blob cooling down, water and atmosphere coming from somewhere, and Earth then, out of the soup of chemicals, millions, billions of years ago, somehow life gets sparked up. And then over billions of years of um, natural selection, mutation, upwards and upwards, more and more complex until here you are. You're just really the result of billions of years of chance, chemistry and physics. There's no God, it's just natural processes. That's the, most people would say the top one is a creation myth. You know, if it gives you comfort, that's great. But science has proven that we evolved over billions of years. Yeah, so this is very, very different contrasting views, isn't it? Now I want to say at this point, um, the question is really good, could God have used evolution? So the question is already saying God is the creator, which is great. Did he use the uh, creation method was evolution? So I want to emphasize again, what I'm going to share is, if you believe that, and many people do, for good reason, is they think, well, I've, science has proven evolution absolutely can't be wrong. God is the creator, therefore he used evolution. I want to say that's not something, if you believe that, you're not saved. I and CMI and Elam Church don't say, you've lost your faith if you believe evolution. But I would prayerfully and carefully say, please hear what I've got to say. Look at the bigger picture of how this idea of millions of years of time, and as I talk about the fossil record, it affects the whole of the Bible, affects God's character and the gospel itself, all right? So it is a big deal. So the question really boils down to which authority do we base our lives on? Either the Bible, God's written word that reveals his character from creation right through to the restoration of everything in the new heavens and new earth, 
it was Jesus being the centre, you know, the whole messianic line up to Jesus, and then right through the church age. And so do we believe that? And we base our lives on the God revealed in that. We have a relationship with him and we base our lives on those instructions. Or we throw it away and go to some other idea, some other authority that maybe we think is cool or makes sense or I like to go that way. So it's either God's authority or not. It's as simple as that, isn't it? And the other question, of course, that leads often on is to how did, why, is, why is the world so full of bad things? You know, so much suffering and bloodshed and disease and, you know, Zebras having their throats stripped out on an African plain and volcanic eruptions and crime and war and murder and you know, all this sort of things. If God's a good God, all-powerful God, how can this happen? Mm. We'll go back on our YouTube channel and see what Pastor Ants had to talk about suffering and that theme two weeks ago. Really, really good covering of this from a scriptural point of view. I'm going to check so that out. It's a big deal, isn't it? It's <laughs> a good one. But the other thing I just wanted to briefly touch on, people say, well, you know, believing the Bible, and it's important. Elliot's got some great points about relationship and having a relationship with God, absolutely. But we also need to connect the world we see around us with the Bible. So the Bible's not a science book as such, but it does make certain statements which have a scientific connection. Either geology, like in the flood and other things, or biology with genetics and decay and so on. So there are statements that are scientific in the Bible that should be provable or disprovable based on what we see in the world. So I have a very quick thing here is a fossil. This is a fossil. Now, lots of people say that I'm a fossil, but no, this is a real fossil. <laughs> it's actually a fossil crab from South Canterbury. So when we pick up something like this, obviously something was once alive, it's dead, isn't it? To be fossilised, you had to be alive and you've died. So every fossil we find around the world is a record of something that's died. And the whole fossil record is full of horrible ways to die and disease and so on. So if God used this idea coming right through. So if we go back to Scripture about where this fallenness came from, Scripture is very clear. Romans 5 verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, a real person, not a metaphor or whatever, and death came in through sin, and so death is spread to all mankind because all have sinned. So we all have inherited that sin nature from Adam and Eve disobeying God. And it talks in Romans 8, 21 and 22. This is talking about the whole of creation, not just mankind, all of creation including nature, animals, and even the cosmos. Therefore, the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and the, the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together. So this is a big picture, isn't it? So God as a creator created the universe to declare his glory and created earth as our home and created us for special relationship with him as an act of love. And so, yeah, if we say that God used this idea of billions of years of evolution, how do we deal with the fossil record? You know, Adam and Eve, if they were in the Garden of Eden, God declared it all very good on, uh, in Genesis chapter 1. But if the fossil record was a result of evolution, under their feet would have been potentially millions of dead things. And so we see the fossil record, as I mentioned, records death, suffering and disease. Is that really very good? I don't think a, God, a good God, an all-powerful God, would use that inefficient, horrible method to create us. So we have to deal with the fossil record. How do we deal with that as thinking people? So, again, I haven't got time to go into it today, but the Genesis flood is actually a big deal in the Bible. Three whole chapters of Genesis describe a global flood that destroyed the whole earth and also would have completely reshaped the earth geologically. And only those people and uh, the air-breathing types of animals on the ark survived. And after the flood, they then populated the earth from that. That's what Scripture says. So we have a simple choice. Is the flood either a total myth, a children's fairy tale, or is it maybe a local flood in the... Black Sea area a few thousand years ago, or was it actually truly a global flood that completely reshaped the earth and created the fossil record and also all the fossil fuels we have today? Um, 
big picture stuff. So the key thing about the flood is it's not just a little little couple of lines. It's actually a big deal that goes right through Scripture. You know, uh, three whole chapters of Genesis, and it's talked about right through the New Testament, including in detail in Peter. The flood also lasted for over a year. It wasn't just 40 days. That was when the intense rain started at the beginning of the flood, but they were on the ark for 371 days. No local flood. Why would you fill a boat with people and float around for a year when you could just migrate over the, to the next region? Why were there birds on the ark? There's lots of reasons why a local flood doesn't stack up. It also explains a lot about, you're talking about fossils, things that are alive that are buried quickly, which is why we get fossils. And, uh, and what, what's, what I love about it, there's no transitional fossils. So what I mean by that is there's nothing like it's half, an, half a dolphin, half a sheep. <laughs> you don't find any fossils like that. They're just whole creatures. You know? And there are some they're trying to think they are. Or the, that's why they call it the missing link, because they can't find one. Because there is none. So the, the, the evidence that we see, there is no transitional, no evidence of actual evolution within the, within the fossil records, which is quite fascinating. So we've got all these all this fossils, but no transitional fossils. That's, that's, that's right. We're a small hand, a handful of very controversial fossils here. Controversial, yeah. yeah that's right. Um, but yeah, so again, the fossil record, that's a big deal, isn't it? How do the fossils come to be? Either a result of millions of years of evolution or as a result of God's judgment upon the earth as recorded in the Bible. It's clear cut that way. And again, I haven't got time to go into all the evidence around the world from geology, mountain you know, layers, fossils and so Actually, on. Actually, could I just say something? So therefore, is, was there dinosaurs on the ark? There were. Yeah, we were there were. So, so, so the people will say, like, how do you get a dinosaur on the ark? It's too big. Well, how do you get, how big are baby elephants? Right? So you, 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 know, so you don't take them big, you take them as young. If you're going to populate a world, you're going to populate with young children. Not all adults who are going to get older by the time they land on something. So, so you think about bringing on a baby elephant as opposed to buying baby dinosaurs. We think about our legends. How many legends do we have of, of humanity defeating, you know, you know, George, St. George, he was famous for what? Killing dragons. And we think about even uh, throughout the Pacific, we've got Tanifa, we've got all these things about overcoming these great beasts and, uh, you know, and think about how many species are conquered or being wiped out by humanity. Uh, the great mammoth got wiped out by the more, the more. Now, now, now they're no more. Answers, obviously, I've been indoctrinating them too long, but that's, that's great. You know, there are so many answers about why yeah, dinosaurs are a big deal. Many young people lose their faith because well, dinosaurs died out millions of years ago. No human's ever seen a dinosaur, but we've, there's excellent evidence yesterday. We're on the ark as land-breathing animals. God would have taken pairs of small dinosaurs on there. Dragons are right through Scripture. Yep. The Tanim, right through Scripture. You, you know, you, you, they're right through. It's just it's amazing how much you see it in Scripture. Yeah, well, the word dinosaur was only coined in 1841. Before then, they were called dragons. Mm. And this year is the year of the dragon, the new, Chinese New Year, isn't it? The year of the dragon. So we've got Trevor and Sarah going to Asia soon to celebrate New Year with family over there. So, yeah, the year of the dragon. Why are 11 animals in the Chinese zodiac all still with us? You know, pig and dog and sheep and all that sort of thing. Why are dinosaurs, sorry, dragons the only mythical creature? Maybe they were real creatures that have now become extinct. Anyway, I digress. But the key thing I just want to close this question with. Nice discussions over dinner. Yeah, again, I will talk about resources, creation.com. But um, just coming back to this fossil again, so I want to emphasize again, the evidence we all have is exactly the same. There's no argument about the evidence. The fossil, we all have. Whether you believe in billions of years, no God, evolution, or whether you believe the Bible, we have the same stuff. Would you agree? No dispute about the facts in our hands. What the difference is, is the history that led to this forming. It doesn't come with a tag saying, I'm X years old, or I happen this way. All I have is a piece of evidence now. So what we have to do is understand it's not about faith versus science. You know, you have your faith, you believe in your imaginary friend and your book of myths, and 
If, you, if that gives you comfort, that's great. But I've got science. Evolution is the fact, you know. Science has proven evolution. You've got faith. It's not uh, science versus faith. It's actually one history against another history, isn't it? So the dispute is the difference or the argument or the friendly dialogue is about the history that leads to the world around us and fossils. So in closing, this is the key thing. If we look at the idea of evolution of millions of years, it actually destroys biblical Christianity in five different ways. One is it actually destroys the Bible as a credible document. It's surely a book of myths, and how can you really believe it, as young people see? Number two is it actually destroys the goodness of God as an all-powerful, amazing God who created a perfect universe, a perfect world, and perfect people at the beginning, and therefore we made the mess. We caused the fall because of our disobedience, which God gave us through free will. And so the goodness of God is destroyed by evolution. The uniqueness of mankind, we're just another evolved hominid. We're no different really to other animals. But in actual fact, God created us supernaturally and endowed us with a spirit. So we have a relationship with him. We are not animals. And the credibility of Jesus, he affirmed Adam and Eve, beginning of creation, Noah and the flood, you know, Cain and Abel. Jesus taught and treated Genesis as real history, not, not just a book of fables. And so I believe Jesus, that he is the king of kings and the Lord. He would know the history of the world because he is the creator, as it talks about in 1 John, uh, John, John chapter 1, Colossians 1, and Hebrews chapter 1. And lastly, of course, the, uh, the whole gospel itself is destroyed. If death and suffering have been around for millions of years, why did Jesus have to die a physical death to pay the price for sin? You know, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So there has to be a supernatural uh, re redemption, yes, spiritual repair, repair of our lives. That's what salvation is. But there has to be a price paid for sin, and that's what where our physical life is shed, and only Jesus could do that as the perfect creator. Only God, perfect man, and fully God could actually pay the price for the sin of all the world, all of creation, over all of time. So it's a big deal really, isn't it? So have a think about it, pray about it, and please look at our website and so on. Um, we'd love to just help you with those questions. All right. That's the big one. Now we've got some other ones, short ones. That's the framework, though, because this will that lead on That was question to, one. Yeah, that's question <laughs> one. But this, this, as I point out, this does lead back to suffering and on forward to other questions we're going to give. So as a church, we believe the Bible. We believe it is God's word. It has authority. And past answers, he's become a real Bible teacher, you know, getting into the Hebrew and the Greek. But we believe that. We base our lives on it and that we unashamedly uphold Scripture as truth. Absolutely. Uh, let's go. Did God create himself? Did God create himself? Um, Okay. okay, feel free to chip in. Yeah, yeah okay. So it's, these are very short answers. but yeah, Mike's on God, rolls with all in yeah, go. God, God create himself. Again, it's an interesting question. I'm not sure who asked it, but yeah. Did God create himself? Is God the creator? Well, who created God? You know, um, but in actual fact, in some ways, that's a bit like to whom is the bachelor married? You know, it's a, you can't create yourself, can you? So, so basically Psalm 90 verse 2 talks about God being outside. You know, he is transcendent. He is an eternity. He's a supernatural being. He is eternal. So he's not created. It says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Mm. So God is not created. And um, boiling back to the Big Bang again, the idea of a beginning, that for a while that was very disputed, saying that sounds too much like Genesis. Even though we dispute the whole thing, the fact there was a beginning is the same as the Bible. The rest of the Big Bang is very yeah. anti. You know, nothing creates something. Yeah, something has to come. <laughs> That's fact. Yeah. Nothing can yeah. create something. Yeah, so maybe yeah. it was a fluctuation in the quantum vacuum. That was something, isn't it? You can't yeah. have a quantum fluctuation in nothing. So, but so the key thing is about creation, or it says that this is basic physics. Everything that has a beginning has a cause. Okay, the universe has a beginning, therefore the universe has a cause. That's why we need a creator. 
Uh, but a God, of course, is unlike the university, he had no beginning. Therefore, he doesn't need a cause and he's not created. Okay, that's the difference. God did not have a beginning. All right. That's a, right. Any, any question on that? That's, no, that's, no, otherwise, let's, he wouldn't let's be God. Just keep, let's just keep moving. Here we go. Where was God before he created the world? Okay, and again, we've got some good answers on that too. But I just had the key thing again. It talks about God's design and his the creation was an act of love, which Ants covers up really well. But it talks again... Um, in Isaiah 57 verse 15 for thus says the one who is high and lifted up who inhabits eternity whose name is holy and talks about I dwell in the high and holy place and uh, with those who are contrite and, and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite so God is an eternal God who is intimately connected with his uh, creation here and the last slide of God is just talking about the Trinity. You know, we, we believe in the Trinity. It's a mystery that God is triune. He's three different persons. There's three persons in the Godhead, but they are they're all God. There's one God, three persons, and they have intimate relationship with each other. And um, so what was God doing beforehand? He was a self-contained community of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there's a picture there. It's one of an old diagram. It shows that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are, in, are all God. They are, he is God, but they're not each other there. They can't, you can't have love. And so Ants again covers that really well. So that's the key thing. It's a mystery, but God is self-containing himself. As he is love, not he can love, he is love. Mm. And in closing, um, on the table out the back there behind Adam, there's a set of tracks from Creation Ministries. Please help yourself to browse through those. I've got some theological, scientific um, topics, including about race and skin colour and evolution and so on. Help yourself to those, a lot yeah. more if you'd like. Yeah, these mag magazines are put together by PhD biologists and things like that who are Christian, who believe these things. They're not just, they're, they're what does what PhD stand for again? Permanent head damage. The guys with permanent head damage. Um, okay, so what, where, where was God before he created? Did you know, before he created, well, do you know scripture actually tells us? Jesus actually tells us what God was doing before we created the world. John 17, verse 24. This is Jesus speaking. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. What was God doing before the creation of the world? It was the Father loving the Son through the Holy Spirit. A community of love. So it's a picture of community of love. Before anything was created, all eternity, you had a community of love. You had, you had God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this community of love. And uh, why, does, why did God create? Uh, and same reason why, if, if you're parenting, why did you want to have a child? Okay, You wanted to have a child because you wanted to share, you wanted to share your love. So God creates out of himself because he wants to share his love of what he has. And so that's why he created the world, out of sharing this love, that whether you got the Father loving the Son through the Holy Spirit, this community of love. That's why the Bible says that God is love. He didn't learn to love. He is love. It's very different if you, if you, if you had a being that was just a singular being. Imagine being a singular being for all eternity. That would be very lonely. In fact, if you, how do you punish prisoners in jail? You put them in isolation. They'll drive you insane. So a being that's, a, that's a, a singular being will create out of a need for an other, a need for an other, or create some kind of plaything or, or whatever it is. But if you had a community of love creating, you get a totally different universe. You're not creating because you need for another, you're creating because you want to share the love. And that's what, God, and that's what Jesus said, love your enemies and love yourself, sharing the love. And that's because God is love. Amen. That's what, let's just move right on to the fourth question. When Jesus was walking the earth, why didn't he save everyone? So when Jesus was walking the earth, 
why didn't he save everyone? Good question. Good question. Because God loves the world. So then you think, how come that he didn't save and still doesn't do it today? Um, well, God cannot violate his own creation. Although he loves us so much, he also has given us a free will. And so although God doesn't want anyone to perish, he does not violate his creation by giving us a free will to choose. So that's when you come to God loved the world so much that he gave his son Jesus. Yes, but it doesn't stop there. It said, whoever believes in him shall not die, but shall have eternal life. So we all have this opportunity to receive the gift of Jesus, um, that he died for us on the cross, and the only name we have salvation is through Jesus Christ. Does he want us all to be saved? Yes, he does. But we all have a choice. We all have a free will to choose him. And then we have eternal life with him. That's my take on it. That's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to add to that. Um, you know, often you'll hear people say, well, what about the people that didn't hear anyone share the gospel with them? Mm -hmm. And which is a fair question, right? I mean, for many years there would have been isolated people in areas. Um, they may have different beliefs and bits and pieces. And uh, But God is sovereign. Yeah. And we know in Romans chapter 1, it's very clearly talks about he's revealed himself through creation. And uh, when you start reading some of the history of missionary endeavour around the world, it's amazing how missionaries have turned up thinking they're bringing the answer mm. and they already believe. Mm. Um, maybe a little bit different to what they understand from their own experience, but they've actually engaged with God. Yeah. Sometimes had visions, sometimes had dreams, mm. sometimes they're waiting for someone to turn up. And, uh, and next minute some white guy turns up in the middle of something. They've never seen a white guy in their life, and that was a dream, right? So God is sovereign. And, and look, in the other way of thinking about it is perhaps God knew that this particular people group weren't actually going to engage with them. Maybe they're that hard in their heart that they weren't going to respond to them. So, I mean, we don't know. I mean, you know, it's a mystery, isn't it, God? And I think we need to... Like we've engaged with God, but we need to understand that it is a mystery, even going back through the evolution side of it. And that's the mystique of it all, right? Mm. I mean, if you know it all, I mean, it's not a mystery anymore. There's no mystique. It's like a relationship with a man and a woman. If you know each other and every, every response and everything, there's an element of comfort, but it's that mystique that brings the, wow, this is cool. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, that ties into our next question is, what does God expect from his followers when it comes to spreading his word. So what does he expect of you? Does he expect the whole world to be filled with his way? Does he expect the whole world of his way? And I, I love what, um, and for, you know, God limited himself. Did you know that? He limited himself in Jesus. And the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking a form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Jesus, so, um, so God steps out of his creation in the fullness of Jesus 
and he humbles himself and he becomes human flesh. So his human flesh is only in one place and one time, which is why, uh, and he dies for our sins on the cross. And just as, as, um, as Mike shared about Romans chapter 5, verse 12, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all mankind. So what separates you from God is your sin. It's your sin that separates you from God, which is why when we read in 1 Peter 3, 18, for Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit that he died for your sin so that you could be brought back into his, to bring me right with God. But like PJ said, it's your choice. It's your choice. So then God partners with us in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus says, he came to him and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So he calls you to partner with them to make disciples. And I'll say to that too, again, the whole thing about personal relationships. So we can't save the whole world, but we all have a, a sphere of influence of people we live with, we're neighbours to, we work with, we study with. And so we need to be Jesus to them, but also in a, in a humble way. And unfortunately, I haven't got the slide for it, but 1 Peter 3.15 is a really um, great little verse. It said, 1 Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy, but always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you. So it's our personal testimony, isn't it? Look, I'm not perfect, but Jesus has made this difference in my life. But when we share with people, it, says, it goes on to say, and do that with gentleness and respect. Okay, so nobody wants a Bible-bashing legalist. But they to connect with people and saying, look, hey, Jesus made a difference in my life. Let me show you a, bit, a way to him. Okay, and let God do the rest. And it talks in uh, James chapter 1, 2, about we water and we sow in our little area. God brings the increase, doesn't he? It's God that brings the... We, we can't save anybody. Only the Holy Spirit can draw people in. So we do our part faithfully and leave the rest to God. Yeah. That brings us to Isaiah 61. Yeah, come on. Yes. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, on all of us today, because the Lord has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. And he has sent us to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness from the prisoners. And that is the same word that Jesus spoke when his ministry started. Mm. Yeah, so of course we want the whole world to be filled. With the glory of God. Amen. 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 Yeah. Tell you what, we're going to go right into the last question. One last question. And, and it's a, we save the best for last. And so here we go. How do I disciple friends and family who are practicing homosexuality? Read that again. How do I disciple friends and family who are practicing homosexuality? Okay, so I'm going to hand it over to the team. Wow. With any person, no difference. Because we are uh, called to love our neighbors, and they are neighbors, um, and build a relationship. Everything, if you want to do discipleship with any person, you need to first need to build a relationship. Uh, Pastor Ann said in the first service that relationship builds influence. So do you know, it doesn't really matter when people come from, or where they are at, or what race they are, or what belief system they have or sexual orientation, it doesn't really matter. We need to start that relationship in love and let God guide us and show us which way to go or how to go about it. I always say, don't make it your project. Build a relationship. Don't try to fix people. Just love them where they are at. And trust God. Because he is more than able to do succeedingly and abundantly yeah, well. Come on. Yeah, I, lo I love this question. Um, 
just purely because God calls us to make disciples. Now, is, is disciples just praying a quick prayer with sons, saying, look, receive Jesus into your heart and leave them to it? Well, it's the total opposite, right? It's like teaching people. It's actually getting up alongside people, um, you know, getting in the trenches, you know, doing life together, you know, painting houses, I don't know, chasing sheep, whatever you're into, I suppose, fishing, <laughs> surfing, snowboarding, it doesn't matter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that is the mandate, uh, as Pastor Ant shared earlier in Matthew um, eight, um, 28, 18 to 20, you know, go into, dis- into the world, make disciples of all nations. Does it say anything about make disciple of this type of person or this? No, it doesn't. Just all, you know, and all is a pretty simple word. I don't think we need to get into the Greek for that, right? It's just what it is. So um, I mentioned in the first service, um, I work with a couple of gay guys, and uh, and I'm cool with that, you know. We get on really well, and uh, one of them I flicked the book to because he was just a bit down before Christmas, and uh, which is a Christian book. Um, called Get a Life from a guy called Brian Houston. It was the only book I could find on my shelf, to be honest, and because uh, I usually give books away. And uh, and he's loved it. He's read it through once, and, and he said to me literally last week, he said, look, I've still got that book. I've already read it through, but I want to read it through again. And, I thought, and that that's what discipling is. It's just using whatever resources, whatever ability, whatever skill set you've got, wherever you are, just to love people and share the good news in whatever way that, that is, you know. I mean, who cares what? I mean, flip. I mean, there's a, every type of broken person out there, right? I mean, what's the difference between a murderer and a lawyer? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe a wrong illustration, um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, every everyone's broken, man. Everyone's got challenges, issues. I mean, hey, hello, I've got issues, and uh, but I've found the answer to my issues, and and someone I can open up my heart to and share that with. Um, and um, and he provides that river of life, you know, that bread of life, and that sustenance. Honestly, everyone is looking for that. I share with a lot of people on a on a continued basis, continuous basis. And what I've found in life is that no matter what people look like, they are searching for something, and and they may look like they've all got it together, but deep down inside, there's something that's crying out for more than what they've got. Um, so can I encourage you, just love people. Mm, thank you so much. Um, There's a phrase I love saying, as long as I have relationship, I have influence. As long as you have a relationship, you have influence. And, and, and um, just like when you're raising kids, the way you raise a toddler is different to how you raise a primary age kid. How you raise a primary age kid is different to how you raise a high school kid. And the way you parent adult children is different how you will treat them uh, when they're at, at high school. And uh, just go with me here, I'm going somewhere with this. And so when you, uh, I have adult children, so the way I relate to my adult children, I come in as a consultant. And like a consultant, the only time you, you have a say on something is when they invite you in and they ask you a question. Because it's all about relationship. I could come in and tell them what they need to do. If I keep telling them this is, how you should, this is what you should do, how, to, how your house should be, this is how you should raise your kids. If I keep going on like that, our relationship will break down. So when they invite me in, then I, and, but when they invite you in, you've got to be honest. You've got to be truthful. Because when they invite you in, they're ready to hear what you've got to say. And so what I'm talking about that, if you're with someone, if you, if you um, the question is, how do I disciple friends and family who are practicing homosexuality? Truth is, the Bible tells us, the Bible is very clear. Homosexuality is a sin. 
Bob was very clear on that. But if I come in and I say to them, without them inviting me into the situation, you know, your uh, was, you know, homosexuality is sin, you're going to go to hell, da 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 they're going to close up doors and they're going to just call me a bigot. But, it's all, but as, as long as I have relationship, I have influence. And so it's about rela- my relationship first with them, loving them. And if they ask me a question, I've got to be honest. And because they've asked me, they're ready to receive how honest I, uh, my, my honesty, and it's about grace and truth. Remember Jesus? There was a, there was a lady caught in adult, uh, adult, adultery, 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 right? And according to the law, she should be put to death. And so they, they said, Jesus, this woman committed adultery. She should be put to, law, put to death according to the law. Jesus says this. He says, you, uh, he without sin cast the first stone. Brilliant answer. And, and everyone left, and she was there by herself because the truth says she should be put to death. But Jesus gives grace. He says, she says, she says, he says to the woman, where are, the, where are your accusers? Nowhere. He goes, neither do I accuse you. But then he brings truth. He says, go and sin no more. Because he, truth without grace is mean. But get this, grace without truth is meaningless. So just saying to someone, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, God loves you. You can sleep around. You can go for it. That's meaningless. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, uh, says uh, that sex is, is in marriage alone between a man and a woman. That is truth. But when they invite you in, you be honest and be clear. But, but here's, the key is this. As long as I have relationship, I have influence. As soon as you lose relationship, you lose influence. Um, I've got a lot more to say on the subject. If, if you go back on our YouTube or podcast, we did a series called God Behaving Badly. And I, and I answered the question, is God homophobic? So if you want to go back and have a look at what I said on that, you can find it way back in the days. Um, but the key is this, is, is love. You know, I can't change anyone. Man, I've tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> you know? So our job is not to change people. Our job is to point people to God. God does the changing. He's far better transforming people than we are. Well, God, God's one who saves, right? Not us. Um, but thank you so much to our amazing uh, panel. Next week, we've got questions like Israel and Palestine, some questions like that coming next week. So uh, we're going to be finishing our series. You asked for it, responding to all these questions. So could you please give a hand for our amazing panel? Thank you. Yeah. Fantastic.